0: Welcome to Creation Radio and TV. I'm your host, Mike Riddle, president and founder of Creation Training Initiative, where we offer training courses for anyone who wants to learn how to speak or teach about creation and biblical apologetics. Well, we have a guest with us today, Dr. Randy Galusa. Uh, welcome to our show.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: Now, you have quite a background. You've done a lot of writing. You've got a lot of background. You also have a military background. I love people who have military backgrounds having been I'm in the sure Marine Corps. sure you do. You so, bet.
1: So tell me a little bit about your military background to start with. And thank you for your service time also. Oh, and thank you for yours too. Actually, my military background started almost as an offshoot as trying to get into the creation science ministry. I went off to South Dakota School of Mines and Technology for a couple of years and felt an and majoring in engineering, but then felt the Lord was leading me into the ministry and I went to Moody Bible Institute. Okay. And while at Moody Bible Institute, I picked up an Acts and Facts from the Institute for Creation Research and my life was changed. It really convinced me of creation and I called the founder of ICR, Dr. Henry Morris, who recommended that I go back and finish off my engineering degree. And I did. Unfortunately, I was very, very poor at the time and the Russians were very, very big and mean. And our president at the time, Ronald Reagan, was building up the Navy. So the Navy offered me a scholarship where I would come on active duty after I finished my engineering program. Now, is
0: that an apartment at the Marine Corps or is that the other way around? Um, <laughs> it all depends on which one you're talking to, I yes. just had to say that. I know,
1: and you have to look at their head to tell. Yeah. So uh, I, I took that scholarship, went into the United States Navy in the Civil Engineer Corps and served 10 years in 10. the Civil Engineer Corps, worked with a group of, um, Navy people that work with the Marines a lot, called Seabees. We did a lot of construction around that time, picked up my professional engineering degree, was still interested in going into ICR. And the vice president of ICR, Dr. Duane Gish, told me that if I was really interested in the ministry, I should learn some biology and get a doctorate. So I wanted to pursue that. And I thought, well, medical school would be a good thing to do. And the Lord was leading me to medical school for some other reasons, to help some people out. So I applied to the University of Minnesota, and I was accepted there. And then I took an Air Force scholarship, which paid for all of medical school for me, in exchange for some time back in the Air Force. So I finished off medical school at the University of Minnesota went on active duty with the Air Force for about another 10 years and served as a flight surgeon taking care of pilots and air crew. And we would land marines here and there uh, as well. Okay, Uh, somebody's uh, always taking us somewhere. Someone's always giving you a little ride. (laughs) And uh, while I was in the Air Force, went off to Harvard, picked up a master's in public health and retired in 2008 and the day after I retired, I went to work for the Institute for Creation Research. You finally made it. <laughs> yes, 27 years after picking up that acts and facts at IC. What a background. Moody.
0: You got Navy, you were in Air Force, uh, you're an engineer, you're a medical doctor, and, and
1: what a background. Well, it was a, it was a good experience.
0: So I'd say you know something about uh, science. A little bit. Yes, good, good. Yep. Now, who do you work for now?
1: I work for the Institute for Creation Research, which is headquartered in Dallas, Texas. And we are probably the oldest research organization of doing creation science research. We have a staff of 10 um, doctors on staff who do research, everything from biology to geology, atmospheric sciences, biblical studies, and we have a broad range of expertise.
0: I remember we were together once at uh, doing a s- series of seminars, and you did a talk, I think it was on the eye. And I think he got a standing ovation just talking about the eye,
1: how incredible that was. It was. It was uh, actually, the standing ovation uh, was really for the Lord because yes. all I did was talk about the things that he had made. But you're right. It was so intricate and so finely designed that when you just talk about the design, people connect with that and they say, this design must have had a designer an incredible design must have an incredible design. And you made it so the
0: lay audience could understand it.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah.
0: Uh, Even I understood it.
1: Oh, well, that was good. good. <laughs> that was great. Uh, as a Marine, that, I, I must have <laughs> really uh, I, must I won't tell any really of my Navy jokes. It. I'll be okay. nice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, you've done a lot of work in, in the, uh, the human body side and uh, in the area of evolution. one of the ones that I find so fascinating is some of your recent work and research on this whole concept of natural selection, and what is it, and what does it do, and I hear somewhat the evolutionists claim, but is what they're claiming real? Is it true? Could you expound on some of this latest research that's being done
1: by yourself and several others? You're right. It is. It is incredibly important, and I'm actually very thankful that you have picked up on this and you grasp how important this is, and the whole topic of natural selection. You know, Darwin wrote his book the origin of species by means of natural selection. So his causal mechanism to explain how organisms change was natural selection. But why is that important? First of all, if organisms could never adapt, a theory of evolution could never get going. It's because Mm -hmm. they can change that you can then extrapolate that they Mm -hmm. can maybe change a lot over a very, very long period of time, leading to the diversity of life on Earth. So, adaptation is really right at the very bottom of the whole creation-evolution discussion. The Bible gives a completely different answer. So I'll I'll give the Bible answer first and then I'll jump in the natural selection so so we can kind of compare and contrast them a little bit. You know, the Bible says that the invisible things of God, as you've mentioned so many times on your program, are clearly seen being understood by the things that He has made. Right, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, that is the truth. And then, of course, in Romans chapter 1, about five verses later, it says that, how, that however, people exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creation more than the Creator who is blessed forever. So, we have a truth of God designing things. So, right from the very beginning of creation, organisms needed to adapt. You know, a lot of people think that the earth was very static after the initial creation, but it wasn't. It was a dynamic place. There were seasons, there was day and night, and organisms even filling the earth changes. Right. Genesis it. 1:14 talks about seasons. That's right. It does. So earth was dynamic and organisms needed to change, and Genesis chapter 1 verse 20 tells us why. He says, "Organisms need to be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth." And the reason probably why God did not create the earth already filled is so that as organisms took on all of these dynamic challenges in this new earth, solved those challenges, filled those niches, we, if you and I were alive back then, we would have seen this and we would have said, that is absolutely incredible. The, the things that they're able to do and how they're able to overcome those, they are so finely designed and so well tuned to adapt, they must have had an incredible designer. And so it was a way for God to reveal his great capacity to us. And the Bible teaches that organisms have innate systems. They have a system to make variable traits. You and I have different traits. They have a system to reproduce. They have a system in themselves to pass those traits onto their offspring. And then we can see out in nature whether those traits either succeed to solve a problem or they fail. Now before the fall, before there was death, if an organism succeeded in solving a a problem in an environmental niche, then they would move into that niche, like you might have a trait to fill a niche, but I would have just stayed right where I was. I didn't have to die, it wasn't driven by death. And then possibly my offspring have traits that would fill other niches, and then over time we would fill the earth with a diversity of human beings. Much that's like
0: today, people, some people like colder climates, some people like
1: warmer climates. I know, see, and that's another area where we're slightly different. You thrive kind of like a Gila monster out there in the, the heat, in the heat yes. and I, more like a polar bear, I like the, <laughs> the colder climes up, up north. That's why you live in the Dakotas. That's why I live in the Dakotas, yes. And so we, left to our own, we would each fill our own niches. And neither one of us would have to die but the key thing is, the Lord would have placed inside of you all of the innate systems so that you could drive yourself through space and time, so to speak, taking on the challenges, solving the niches, so would your offspring, and it's a marvelous manifestation of God's great power of, of designing you. It was the God who created everything out of nothing with all that power.
0: It was, it was so easy for him to create all that diversity. In our life
1: systems. That's right. He built in diversity not just in incredible DNA, you know, the incredible DNA that you have and the diversity within that, but the very systems that utilize that DNA, they're also variable. They're little molecular machines. They're little there. molecular machines, and you have a system that detects all of the conditions around you. You have phenomenal control centers within you that take that information. And then you have output mechanisms, some of which can affect your offspring so that they can adjust and fill different environments. You know, when, you, when you think of all
0: that, when you think of all that God has done, all that what's done inside our bodies allows us to uh, adjust to our different environments, you almost want to stand up and cheer, don't you? You do. Yeah, and, <laughs> that, and,
1: and the good thing is is when we talk to our Christian brothers and sisters and we tell them about this, sometimes they do stand up and cheer. You know, you know science should lead us to worship, and worship should be the normal response to science. Wow. And that's how that's how the Lord has made it.
0: Bring it back to our creator God. And incidentally, His name is Jesus Christ, isn't that's it? Amen. He's the creator of all things.
1: Yes, it says, He was in the beginning and all things were made by Him. Without Him, not anything was made that was made. Right, right out of Colossians. That's right. And in Him was life yes. as well.
0: It, it just almost brings goosebumps to you when you think about that. That's uh, right. That's right. Just like Jeremiah 32:17, Ah, Lord God, thou has created the heaven and the earth by thy great power and outstretched arms. Nothing amen. is too hard for thee. Amen. And that's something we need to understand as Christians. There is nothing too hard for
1: him because he created everything out of nothing. That's right. But and go ahead you, with this next you know, uh, Let go me ahead. just give an amen to yes, that. So. Uh, something that you and I as scientists and scientifically oriented people should do is we present the science to our Christian brothers and sisters, but in a way we should almost be like uh, ministers who lead them to worship and glorify God by expounding to them some of these wonders in creation that they may not be able to see and they definitely are not going to get off of National Geographic yes. or NOVA or the Learning Channel and things like that.
0: That's right. Uh, we're, we're, we're storing our crowns up in heaven. That's what we want to do. Amen. a up sort of there. Go ahead some more. with This is a fascinating topic because you're going after the very foundation of evolutionism right
1: here. Yes, yes, and so now we turn the corner. So on the one hand, we have organisms which are designed to drive themselves through space and time, solving environmental challenges and filling them. And almost in a 180 degree opposite explanation, the naturalists who say nature creates itself, not only just in the cosmological realm, but nature creates itself in terms of nature creates its own life, and then nature must create the design of life. Well, how do you explain the design of life? Well, how they explain that is via natural selection, and here's the link. The environments, through all of these challenges, those challenges are shaping and molding organisms through space and time. In other words, the challenges are driving populations of organisms through space and time, and via the selector, in their worldview, the selector is death. Death, death, and nothing but death. Death is weeding out, death is calling out the less fit, and as it gets rid of the less fit, it is modeling and shaping a population of organisms, just like modeling clay. In fact, it says Darwin accepted the idea that. Environments were shaping organisms like modeling clay over time and eventually models this design of life.
0: So the evolutionists here
1: are replacing God with this concept called natural selection. Yes, and the, and the key word between those two, between natural and selection, is selection. You know, we the, you think it would be natural because it's naturalism, but that doesn't replace God. God is an God is a person. We know this theologically in persons exercise agency. And how we see God's exercising of agency is as it says in Romans 1, we see the things that he's made. We see complexity in your body which has been specified like a real designer or engineer would specify things. So, if I wanted to specify you, I would select for some traits and select against other traits as a designer and when I was an engineer I would specify things I would select for some things and I would deliberately not choose others so the manifestation of intelligence is the ability to select so when Darwin attributes to nature the ability to select naturally he is ascribing this ability to nature.
0: So what you're saying is Darwin gave the weather, hot, cold, high altitude, and wind,
1: intelligence? Well, he's, he wouldn't say that they have intelligence. He would. Uh, it, it almost comes across like that when you listen to their shows at times, because it sounds like that. He would say that nature has this, and all selectionists, all people who hold firmly to natural selection, firmly believe that, Nature, via death, and death is their selector, selects for one thing or selects against another thing. And they ascribe selective ability to death. But what's really happening is this. After the fall, of course, things are going to die. So you might have a trait which is successful in solving an environmental challenge. All that really happened is you have a trait that solves a challenge you live. I unfortunately may have a trait that doesn't solve the challenge and I die. That's all that's happening is you live and I die. But selectionists ascribe selective ability to death and they would say, very, very different, they would say you were selected for and I was selected against. Or they might say, in another way of ascribing intelligence, you were favored and I was disfavored. And in essence, they ascribe, and they will always do this, ascribe agency, not to God, but agency to the environment. Which is no brains. That's right. And it's, it's no brains, but it's, it's a very natural human tendency that we see going all the way back to the beginnings of humankind uh, to ascribe to an inanimate thing volition or agency. Now, way, way, way back when someone would ascribe volition and agency to a statue or to a golden calf or to things like that, we would say, oh, that's idolatry. You're, you're yes. projecting onto mm-hmm. this inanimate thing yes. volition. Mm-hmm. You're projecting onto it agency. Well, we're a little more sophisticated now. We don't use a golden calf, but we project onto nature volition. We project onto nature agency. Same concept, just more advanced. <laughs> That's right. It's the same concept. So, if it it's right with Romans 1. God says, He creates, He has these organisms, they're designed to drive themselves through space and time, and they solve environmental problems filling the niches. Evolution has it completely backwards. They say the environmental problems are shaping the organisms as it pushes them through space and time.
0: See, I understand that can't happen because my your background in engineering and I have a background in software engineering. When I write a program, I write for a lot of different contingencies. Right. And if I don't cover one of those contingencies, my program dies, right then. That's how
1: it gets weeded out. That's right. And I have to go back and fix it. Exactly. And and just like your programming, the Lord built into you this capacity sometimes just through the DNA and sometimes through the systems themselves to solve those contingencies. And there's limits to how much it can solve, just like any design thing. God did not design you invulnerable. There's limits. But you have incredible capacity to solve a lot of environmental problems and challenges, which reveals just how great the design is in you. But the real contrast is this. Either God selects and specifies your traits or nature selects and specifies your traits and natural selection as it is used becomes this substitute designer unfortunately you can never really clarify the definition because the word selection ascribed to nature is inherently misleading because nature has no mind as you said it cannot really think therefore it can never really select And by calling it natural selection, it is inherently misleading to people.
0: Okay, so uh, I I heard you do this example, and I thought it was just clarified everything. It made it so simple. The environment is not doing any selecting, none whatsoever. Now, your example you gave, and I really like this, was a car when it approaches a hill. Yes. Could you explain that, give that example? I just thought it was just clarified
1: everything, what is actually happening in there? Well, it's a car which is on cruise control, because everybody's had a car on cruise control. So how does a car on cruise control accelerate itself over the hill? Now, if we went from the environmentalist approach, we would say the hill caused the car to accelerate. Mm -hmm. But that's not really true. The real and true primary cause is inside the car itself. The car must have a speed sensor, some way to detect its speed that data is sent to a control center which compares the speed which is coming in with what it should be and then it has a way to effect a change through the accelerator and cause the car to accelerate or to slow down and it's it's also like an airplane that is on autopilot with ground following radar and as it flies towards a mountain it will fly over the top of the mountain an environmentalist would say the mountain caused the plane to fly over that But you and I know that's not true because if we were passengers on that plane and we're flying towards the mountain and we shut that ground-following radar off, it flies right into the mountain. So true causality in an airplane is always in the, it's always in the entity and true causality for your adaptive abilities is always inside of you.
0: Just like when, again, going back to computer programming, we program for all these contingencies out there that can happen and inside an operating system they have timing considerations if they how often you get control of that thing we call a central processing unit or CPU for you people who like computers out there when you get control of the CPU well there's all these timing contingencies that are in there that's right and whoever has the highest priority gets control of that processor in there
1: that's exactly that's exactly right so we couldn't have two more diametrically opposed explanations and it's not semantics well, Organisms either drive themselves through space and time by their design, and they are solving the challenges, or the challenges are designing them as it goes through space yes. and time. Yeah. It's, it's, very, it's much, much yes. more than semantics. It's yeah. really back to causality. So
0: it, uh, it was human body, God program sensors into our body that recognize things and trigger off other molecular machines so we can uh, uh, adjust
1: to different environments or situations. Exactly. He put those sensors in you, he put the programming in you, and part of the programming he put in you will define outside of you what will be a stimulus or what will be a cue. Your programming defines light as a stimulus for your eye, Mm -hmm. compressed air as a stimulus for your ears. It's defining what will be your stimuli, but it's all the programming in you which is doing it.
0: Let me do a practical example because I've done this. Pikes Peak. I've been to the top of Pikes Peak. I've actually hiked up and ran up Pikes Peak. Wow. 14,110 feet high. Let's suppose you were to go, or somebody was to go to Pikes Peak. They, they took a helicopter or plane and dropped them off there. And the first day, they start walking around pretty fast. And all of a sudden, they find out they're tired, they're out of breath. What is happening here? Is it
1: the high altitude that's causing anything to happen there? Well, not really the high altitude. There's a decrease in oxygen and your body has not adjusted to that decrease in oxygen. So that's why you're feeling a little lightheaded, you're feeling a little dizzy. But that only lasts, I know where you're going with this, for just a little bit of time, because you actually have oxygen sensors on your body, they detect that decrease in oxygen, they send signals to your body to other places, causing you to make more red blood cells, and very, very quickly, you self-adjust to that decrease in oxygen pressure.
0: So after a couple of weeks there, you're adjusted completely almost. Yes, you would yes. be. And, but, and so, then you could go down to a lower altitude and run a marathon. Yes, uh, <laughs> I've seen that happen. So it goes back to the Bible again. God in the beginning with His infinite wisdom programmed all this. Into our
1: human bodies and all life forms. That's right, so that we could be fruitful, multiply, and fill it the earth. It was
0: not this concept of natural selection, which they're using to replace God.
1: That's right, exactly. That it becomes the God substitute. It becomes the intelligence substitute, and it was inherently set up like that by saying natural selection, and giving it a misname when there's no selective capacity. See, when, when I look at it this way, it just common sense it should be to to go out there and preach or talk about
0: and teach natural selection is really a form of idolatry now because you're trying to
1: replace god with something else yes you would and how much it's better a golden the re- calf isn't it it is it is the golden calf and there's really no reason why we should do it because we have now with what we know in science in particular molecular biology we have answers we have explanations of how organisms are really innately designed with some very complex systems. It's all systems. And how these systems enable all the creatures to self-adjust. Well, if he
0: can design eyes that are more complex than anything mankind's made, make a hearing mechanism called the ear more complex than anything mankind's made, he can make all these sensors, can he?
1: You bet he can. And he did. And he did. Amen.
0: He is the creator of all things, not some of it. In other words, we should stop worshiping creation as it says in Romans and start worshiping the creator for what he has done.
1: Yes, you're exactly right. And ICR actually published a series of articles uh, in our news magazine called Acts and Facts entitled Darwin's Sacred Imposter." We published five articles and then a sixth one on engineered adaptability which explains this in our monthly news magazine. Let me
0: do a quick advertisement. Acts and Facts from the Institute for Creation Research, and they are free, aren't they? Yes, they always have been. You can get them online, or you can get a hard copy of these. I highly recommend getting the Acts and Facts from the Institute for Creation Research and getting those past articles. And you're coming out with a book sometime on this, aren't you? Yes,
1: I will be. I'll be working with another co-author, and hopefully it'll explain this so everybody can understand it. Now, regardless of their branches. Now, if we're not
0: going to use the word natural selection, maybe in a quote or responding to somebody, what should we call this?
1: Well, I, th- I, I like the phrase engineered adaptability because it shows that God is the engineered and he gives us the ability to adapt. And others say, well, organisms are really programmed, which implies the programmer, and the programming is in you, to fill the earth. And that's a biblical phrase, and that tells you the purpose of what this programming is for. So, some people say we were programmed to fill, others say we were engineered to adapt, some people say we are designed to adapt. Engineered adaptability is a, is a great way to replace it. We just
0: meet, it. might need to explain it to people.
1: That's right. And the way to refer to natural selection would be, natural selection is a type of rational mysticism. The rational part is the systems in you The mystical part is the ascription of selective ability to nature.
0: Right. So if we go back and give the glory to God for everything, we've got it right. We do. We don't need somebody else, some other unseen mechanism putting design in us. Undetectable mechanism. Undetectable. It's God who did it from the beginning. It is. What a fascinating subject. And I hope this gets out there everywhere. And we need to arm our students with this information, because I know a lot of teachers out there really don't know much about even the evolutionists about what natural selection is. I have a hard time finding a definition of
1: it anywhere. That's right, and you probably will be, because it's really almost an undefinable term. Yes. I've read through a lot of textbooks, and they just say it causes evolution. Well, Mike, I'm so glad that you're right on target on this, on, on grasping just how important this is, and that your ministry is actually equipping the saints, looking to those students, and hopefully doing a better job in the next generation than we might have done in ours, Of equipping our young people
0: now—that's what we want. Uh, I appreciate that very much, and I just can't wait to get uh, have you back and talk some more about this subject as you continue your research. And um, let me know when the book comes out. I will. We'll get that out. I want to thank you very, very much for watching this show, and thank you all. And don't forget, get that resource, Acts and Facts from the Institute for Creation Research. Their website is icr.org. Thank you, and God bless you. If these lessons had been a blessing to you, you might consider financially supporting the Ministry of Creation Training Initiative. You can do this by going to our website, creationtraining.org. Again, that's creationtraining.org. Your tax-deductible donation of just $20, $50 or more a month, or a one-time gift of any amount will make you an education partner in building an army of Christian educators who can teach the biblical account of creation and train others to be able to defend their faith and be biblically faithful to God's Word as it states in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear.